Just living large, man. I did win a lot of money in blackjack. Uh, and I played with a guy that was from, uh, he had an Oklahoma tattoo on the inside of his arm. So that's my Big 12 tie-in. Your segue? Yep. Also, don't know why I thought TCU was in Corpus Christi, but it is not. Fort Worth, man. It's up in Dallas. Yeah. Why do I know Corpus Christi? Like, there's there's some sports tie between or something that's making it relevant in my head. But why? Corpus Christi Ice Rays of the NAHL. Ah, yep, that was them. <laughs> or there's the Corpus Christi Hooks of the Texas League in minor league baseball. Oh, how could I forget? Was it that whiskey well? Was it that beer? I really can't tell, whatever. Samuel cuts it back. Ohio State wins. I put my heart in Let's go, man. That is as good as it gets. I represent me in this issue. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Really on the field, a touchdown is confirmed. Fourth and two now. You've got to get two yards. I don't know. I don't think so. No way. Kentucky wins. Welcome to the Peace of Mind podcast. My name is Kevin Jackson. As almost always, I'm with AJ Nance. AJ, how you doing today, buddy? Man, I'm feeling good, man. I am uh, back from vacation. Back to the United uh, States? Back to the U.S., you know. Finally back to my house. So, you know, I'm, I have no complaints today. Air conditioning's fixed. Not a better place to get your, like, not a, like, you can't come home from Mexico and not have your air conditioning broken. Yeah, yeah. That was, a, that was a rough one. Uh, it was... And like the so it, it this is the second time it's gone out this this year, and like the good part about it is like or the first time the good part about it was like it was right before uh, summer hit, so it was only like even if it was at its hottest, it was only going to be about like mid to upper eighties. But the issue was the first time like it just rained the whole time, so. We didn't really even trip. Like it, we just opened the windows and it like cooled off the house itself. The last time it was just baking the yeah, entire time hot. we were gone. And like everybody I talked to, that's they just be like, "Oh, it was it was not it was not like light at all. Like it was just hot." Yeah, it's like it's like walk to your car and you're sweating hot. <laughs> it's not good, not good. Yeah, but uh, so, all is well that ends well. So we're here right. and I'm. We're hanging in there. We're back. How you been? We're, we're podcasting. Doing all right, man. I got two weeks left of summer break, man. Oh, is it really? Damn, it's really almost August. Two weeks left. You know, in hindsight, though, that just means we're closer to the football season. I know. I can't wait. I can't wait. Those, those are the benefits. Like It's like, damn, I got to go back to school, but at least you get like the greatest weekends for like the remainder of the year. Yeah, Justice and I were talking about the lack of parity in college football now. It'll be interesting to see if it holds up. Yeah, I mean, do you think like, uh, so we see in the NBA, like things are starting to balance out across the board everywhere now. 
Like, do you think that um, it will get that way, like, in ev- eventually in college football? No, I think it's I think it's Clemson, Alabama is here to stay. Really? So how how many years has it been that Clemson's really been like top dog? What probably like the last four or five? Yeah, I'd say since 2013. They won the I mean, like they were competitive before then, but they were still like I mean, we played them in we played them in what was that, twenty ten. We played them in twenty ten and like they were they were a good eight and four, nine and three team. Well, it used to be the Clemson is gonna Clemson. You know, that was a thing that Clemson oh, yeah. was gonna blow the game, lose it. But um since Dabo and Taj Boyd, they've been it's been, they've been rolling. the recruiting is off the charts. That's true. So yeah. We'll get to that when we cover the ACC. But today we've got the Big Twelve preview. Yes, sir. This will probably be one of the quicker previews considering it is the smallest conference. But uh, being a Big Ten guy, traditionally for a lot of years, the Big Ten was nicknamed the Big Two and Little Eight. And the Big 12 now having 10 teams, I, I that's an appropriate nickname for them, <laughs> is the Big Two and the Little Eight. So we'll see if Oklahoma and Texas is going to battle it out for the Big 12 championship and who's going to fight for third place. You know, I I think like eventually we're gonna all get to very similar conference structuring like the Big Twelve where there's no like sides. It's just you got your fourteen teams and you're playing only conference games pretty much and top two people go to the championship. I, think I don't hate be, that. We'll talk later this season about this with the playoff structure, like a dream playoff structure. Mm-hmm. But I wish we had a tournament. Doesn't need to be a ridiculous amount of teams. Mm-hmm. But you could play your conference, but then, like, you had the top teams from each region. So, like, you had the Southeast, you had the Midwest, mm-hmm. you had the West, and then you had the Northeast. Or, I mean, however, whatever you have, you pick four regions and you pick two winners or two people from to qualify from each region. Mm -hmm. Now, like Clemson would be in the Southeast. Gotcha. And probably Alabama. So so it could be them, but it it, it could also be like based on schedule. Ohio does their high school football playoff like this. And we talked a little bit about this the last episode. But so you could play, you could play different teams or just like your conference, but you're trying to qualify for a playoff in your region. That makes sense. So like the big 12 would probably be in the Midwest region. That makes sense. So It'd be interesting. There's, there's a lot to talk about. We'll probably get, we'll probably do a playoff episode at the end of the year, like a dream playoff scenario. Cause there'll always be a debate. Maybe this year it'll just be Clemson and Alabama undefeated at the end of the years, and it won't be a big issue, but um, we'll see how it goes. But today we're going to break down our um, future prediction for the Big 12 championship game. We're going to pick our top five games of the year, offense and defensive MVP. I've got some storylines that I figure would be fun to talk about. I know for the Pac-12, we did the standings, mm-hmm. the predicted standings. 
Um, I don't know if you have them, but we'll talk a little bit about that. And uh, we also have a bunch of new coaches in the Big 12. So where do you want to start? I mean, we got to start at the top. Like, obviously, like, I'm going to assume that we both probably have Texas, Oklahoma, or some version or some variation of that at the top of, you know, the the rankings for this conference. I think yes, that, and and that goes into my one of my top storylines is can Texas win the Big Twelve? And well, I do. I have Texas beating Oklahoma in the championship. Ooh. I just want you to know I have Texas beating Oklahoma sometime this year. Ooh. But we'll get to. In one of my all time one of my all time bucket list games. Oh yeah. Red River shootout. Ah oh, man. This is gonna stuff my face at the Texas at State the fair. fair. And then walk like, into the stadium with a first corn dog. All, man, first of all, I'd be I'd be dead because A, it's hot as hell down there. And B, like fried like fried Oreos and all the fried stuff. Like, oh man, I'd be I'd be so hurt. But it'd be worth it. Um I would yeah, so some variation we both have that. Um, it's hard for me to envision it not ending up those two teams, and any like like we say all the time, like a number of things can happen throughout the year. But I mean, if you just look at the way their seasons ended last year, what they have returning versus what they've added, and the way their schedules play out, like I just. It's hard for me to see them not ending up one too. Yeah, just recruiting. I mean, the past few years they've just been the leaders in recruiting, yeah. and that to me is just that will dictate your future more than anything else. Maybe number two is your coach, and number three maybe your quarterback. And they got the two best quarterbacks in the league, so they got the two best coaches in the league. Well, that's debatable, but like the two most productive coaches, right? I mean, and those coaches being in those programs with those with that kind of money, they're going to be successful. Yeah, it's you know, it's I think that um, the one thing about the the Big Twelve that um, I didn't feel like I saw as much in the Pac twelve, but in the Big Twelve, like a lot of your middle of the road can go either way, like. I could see West Virginia being like an eight and four team and like they could be a five and seven team. And like I feel like the the space in the middle. So I, I mean Texas Tech and Kansas are probably gonna bring up the rear, at least in my prediction predictions, they're gonna bring up the rear. But everybody below Oklahoma and Texas and everybody above Texas Tech and Kansas, it's just a crapshoot to me. Like you got new coaches. You've got, um, you know, you've got people that were losing a lot of key players. You got people that are adding some new stars. So, I mean, I feel like, you know, those middle of the road teams can, they can, they can cause a little ruckus and like play close tight games with some of the, you know, the Oklahomans and the Texas. But at the end of the day, I think like they're all going to be battling for like that third, fourth, fifth best team in the conference. Yeah, you're speaking uh, or you're reading my mind because I have I have Texas, Oklahoma, and then Iowa State one, two, three. 
Mm-hmm. And the only other one that I'd be willing to bet money on is Kansas at number 10. Everybody else, I don't know. Right, yeah. And like, to your know. point, I go Oklahoma, Texas, Iowa State. Like, everybody else in there. Like, West Virginia could be really good. And it's like, they could turn out to be a, a 9-10 win team, possibly. I don't know. But they could also, like, in Neil Brown's first year, they could turn out to be, like, a 5-17. and And it wouldn't surprise me. Like, you just don't know. Like, you're losing Will yeah. Greer. You're losing yeah. steals. You're, I mean, like, you're losing your head coach that's been there for some years. Like, it's just – it's hard to see, like, what they will – And that a, travel schedule. Oh, it's they awful. Gotta, they, it's brutal. They got to – they gotta go. They gotta get on a plane almost every weekend. It's brutal. And so, like, what do you do? Like, I mean, I think that the, you brought up Texas and Oklahoma, and I think uh, to me, the one thing that stands out is like, oh, while Oklahoma is not necessarily in the same boat um, as Texas is, I think that you really like Texas has to kick those early season issues like and they got to do it quick because they play LSU what is it week two yeah week two so it's like week two you can't have and and with LSU being a really high rated team if they were to lose that game like they'd still be in the running later in the season you just hope you don't get injured yeah but it's like what the past two years they've lost to Maryland week one and it's just like You've got to do like you've got to like win an early season game so you can ride that momentum throughout the rest of the year. Well, I wonder how much Texas's schedule then being tested earlier in the year helps them against Oklahoma. Now, granted, it doesn't matter because I mean it does matter because if we're just assuming that they're both going to play each other in the Big 12 championship game, mm-hmm. the winner of that first game really doesn't matter. It doesn't. I mean, but other than like, things, it really does matter because I think there's one thing that proves every year that somebody wins unexpectedly in the Big 12. So Texas starts off playing LSU in week two. Week four, they have Oklahoma State. Week five, they got to go to West Virginia, and then they play Oklahoma, where Oklahoma – is a much easier route. They only play Houston, South Dakota at UCLA, Texas Tech at Kansas. Yeah, like uh, this, that's not very challenging. Like Texas, like Oklahoma is going into that that Red River shootout. They're going in five and zero. Oh. Like there's no there's no if and or buts about it. Like Texas having to play LSU, Oklahoma, and at West Virginia. Like those are like three good. Like three pretty, those are all going to be what three bowl teams. Like I feel confident saying that. I don't know like how high up you know West Virginia or Oklahoma State's going to be, but like they'll they'll crank out six wins. It's hard for me not to see them do that. LSU is going to be a great team. Like they they normally are a really good team, but like like you said, they're going to get to that game. They've been tested. They're going to have been in tight games before, so it's like that's not going to be anything for them. On the other hand, like you talk about like having the best coaches, having the best players and stuff like that. Like Oklahoma's got a guy who's been through every fire you could possibly put him through. So like I don't think he's rolling in five and oh thinking like, 
whew, we're going to get tested. Like he's like, oh, I've, I've played in games like this before. Like, yeah, unless, but unless, cause that system is so completely different that, uh, it's almost like a pitcher who gets rattled. You just start to lose confidence in yourself and everything you throw, you're just not sure about. Whereas like in that offense, I mean, if there's anybody that can tailor an offense, it's Lincoln Riley. But I mean, the fact that, I mean, if Jalen Hurts struggles to just toss it around the yard, then who knows what kind of confidence issues that could give him. You're right. But I think that also plays to his favor, the earlier season schedule. Like he's going to get to work out some of those kinks. Um, against Houston. He's going to get to work out some of those kinks against South Dakota. He's going to go on the road to an environment he's never been in against UCLA. Like we both talked about them being a little bit better this year under Chip Kelly. So like you would hope maybe that game tests them a little bit, but it's like if, I mean, if he goes into game six of the season and he's still struggling, like making throws and stuff like that, well, then they're already in trouble. I don't think it's anything Texas doing that's going to make it any more difficult for them. I think like their limitations come from how high his ceiling is going to be. Like I don't like either he can or can't run that offense, and we'll know that before we get to that game. Yeah. So I've got a couple other storylines here, and we've kind of alluded to both. Um, we'll get to Iowa State and their expectations later. We've talked about Texas winning the Big Twelve mm-hmm. a little bit. Well, there's three other that kind of relate to Oklahoma. I've got the transfer QBs with Jalen Hurts and Austin Kendall. Mm-hmm. Can Oklahoma repeat? And does anybody play defense in the Big 12 in 2019? <laughs> and so we can talk about – I mean, if I'm uh, I'm sitting here looking, we, we talked about Jalen Hurts, and I think everybody knows the story on Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. coming from, from Alabama. So – That'll be very interesting to see with him. I mean, they got the running back Trey Sermon back, mm-hmm. and then they got the they got the the freak CD Lamb, the freak athlete. Oh, yeah, I think he's he's coming back because well, then they what they added two five star wide receivers as well. And if you if you why if you're a quarterback and a wide receiver, why would you not go to why would you not go to to Oklahoma? Shit, I would like. You know they're gonna you know they're gonna toss it around the yard. Like, yeah, yeah, I would. Oh, they Yeah, so um I mean offensively, they're gonna be fine. C D Lamb coming back, almost twelve hundred yards receiving and eleven touchdowns. Yeah. And like for a while there, like um, he was producing as much, if not more, than Hollywood, because Hollywood was still a little nicked up last year. But like even then, like he was producing for the most part last year. Yeah. I mean, it's just stupid offensive production. I mean, get this. Kyler Murray throws 42 touchdowns, 4,300 yards passing. If Trey Sermon rushes for 53 more yards, that gives him 3,000-yard rushers. (laughs) So they have a 4,000-plus-yard passer, Heisman Trophy winner, 3,000-yard rushers, one of them being Kyler Murray, and 2,000-yard receivers. Yeah. That's unbelievable. So even if they're a fraction of that, they're going to be just fine. And so we talked about defense. They've got nine returning starters on defense. And he didn't do very well at Ohio State last year, but they got the defensive, new defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch, who came from Washington State. And in his three years at Washington State, they actually play defense. 
which was kind of propelled them in the Pac-12. Yeah, I think that – So, I do think that the top part of the Big 12 will, to your point, uh, to your question about um, playing defense, I do think the top end of – because for the most part, um, Iowa State's returning a lot and, like, they've got a solid defensive line and linebacking core. You saw how Texas played defense for the most part in the Sugar Bowl game where they – I mean – like they just outclassed Georgia every single turn. So it's like if you use that as a building block, they're they should be really good defensively this year as well. And to your point, like um Oklahoma adding some pieces around um their staff to like what did you say they had eight or nine people returning on the defensive side? They got nine yeah, they got nine starters back and Alex Grinch is a defensive back special I mean, like that's where his where that's like his trade is being a DB coach. So it's like, I mean, you find it hard to believe that they, they won't be like when you look at all that, it's hard to believe that they won't be better. Right. And I don't know what they averaged defensively, like how many points they gave Mm -hmm. up. But I imagine if it's a little less than last year, I mean, they're going to have to be a little less because nobody can sustain that offensively. Especially having to replace all those offensive linemen, but. I mean, they'll be back. Yeah, and I mean, so, like like you said, like they just have to – they just – you just have to get some stops because, like, you know, offensively you're going to score. So, like, if you just get some stops on defense, like, you'll be fine. I'm pulling up. I'm yeah. trying to find some statistics from last year. They're, they're just fun to watch. They're so much fun to watch. Yeah, I don't – I think that – um I will say that I think that Texas probably on paper defensively sounds like the better unit, but that's not to say Oklahoma can't be that. I just think it'll probably right now I'd favor Texas in that. Yeah. You know what just gets me is what I like what – Texas did to um, Georgia last mm-hmm. year. I know that they graduate, so they graduate a mm-hmm. lot. They only got two starters coming back on defense. I like the quarterback. They're going to be able to throw it around. They've got a couple receivers, a couple linemen coming back. But the thing that gets me is the attitude. I think that's going to be. I think that's going to be their. I guess their X factor that's going to get it done if they if they do get it done. I think that coming off of last year, like I like you had because you had because um, Oklahoma won two years ago, right? With um, with um, why am I blanking on his damn name? They won two years ago with uh, Baker. Yes, thank you. They had Baker two years ago. They went to the playoffs, and then last year, I think that. While Kyler Murray was still kind of what will he do, a lot of people knew that he had game. And so they there wasn't as many questions offensively as to what they could do. But I think Texas was still getting back to themselves coming into last year. After this, after last year's season, I think Texas, their mentality going into this summer camp has to be this is our championship title or like our big 12 championship to lose. 
Like, I don't think that's so, been their mindset before. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned before, we'll um, let's, let's go to another top storyline in the Big 12. Um, I mentioned Austin Kendall, mm-hmm. and you, you did mention Baker Mayfield. Austin Kendall um, was a backup to Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, and, but decided to leave Oklahoma mm-hmm. uh, because Jalen Hurts was mm-hmm. coming. And as our producer Justice just let us know, they have another five-star kid coming in and three five-star receivers. But he, uh, Austin Kendall, decided to transfer to West Virginia. West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And we'll assumingly, we'll probably start with Will Greer being gone. It'll be very interesting to see how he and Neil Brown match up because I would have loved it if uh, Dana Holgerson was still there and get them getting Austin Kendall. Yeah. But it's this 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 whole hire seems to me the realization that Dana Holgerson was never going to win them a mm-hmm. Big 12, especially after the disappointment from last year. I mean, last year they started off with a great win against Tennessee. Lovely. <laughs> I mean, they they just housed 40 to 14. But then down the stretch, they just couldn't stop anybody. Yeah, like oh, that was that was gonna be part of my and we can use that as a question for this topic as what as well, but in the Big Twelve, does it would you rather have a team that was a high powered offense but your defense was questionable? Would you rather have a middle of the road offense but you got a good defense? You know what's very interesting? I think I take the offense in this league because it, like there's people take for granted. I really do. I think people take for granted how good the offenses are. Yeah. And like the offense is so hard to stop. Even if I mean like even Oak like even um Alabama struggled. Yeah. Like if you throw out that first quarter Against Oklahoma, it was. I think Oklahoma outscored them for the second for the remaining three quarters. I just think yeah. they they got shell shocked a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I think people take for granted, like they say, "Oh, nobody plays defense." Well, I, I honestly, the offenses are that good, and they really, I really think they've come on to the closest thing that's undefensible, indefensible. Well, nobody, no, like. Nobody's going to argue that the SEC doesn't play defense, right? Like, that's the SEC's calling card. And everybody last year would have looked at Georgia and said, like, really good defense, really good offense. And like we talked about, Texas literally dominated them at every single portion of the game last year. So it's like, it's not – their defenses aren't that far off. I think – well, at the top of the at the top of the funnel. But I think what happens, I think even the SEC schools, they get shell-shocked. Like, well, not in the sense that Oklahoma did against Alabama, but uh, you saw this with uh, Baker when they played Georgia. I mean, Georgia's just running in circles. I had no idea what to do. They're just not used to playing like that. And I really think, like, if – I think if you put Alabama or Georgia, even with their players in the Big 12, they would morph. Because you kind of saw this in 2014 with Alabama 
in Ohio State. I saw a little bit. And it, you could tell the game plan was to attack the perimeter. Attack downfield, attack the perimeter. And Ohio State didn't have nearly the offense that a Big 12 offense had. I mean, they had a really, really good offense, but they had a third-string quarterback. And mm-hmm. you could tell even five years ago, Alabama was still kind of clinging to the 240-pound linebackers, just the tree-stump defensive linemen. And granted, they're in the area where they can trade those guys out, right? Like right. they can look, okay, we need to get some more freaks. They're still huge, but they're freaks. Now their linebackers can run. Now their linebackers can rush the passer. But you could see even they had to adapt because, uh, I mean, you saw it. Oklahoma was it Trevor Knight when they played Oklahoma, when they played Alabama? Oh, in the Sugar Bowl, yeah, yeah, he just torched them. <laughs> yeah, Nick Saban was trying to cling to this. We're going to be bigger than you. We're going to pound you at the line of scrimmage. You're never going to be able to like. We're just going to bully you and black and blue you. And then, kind of these all these Big Twelve offenses. Well, we're not going to bang our head against the wall. Like we're just going to go around you and, and go so fast that you can't keep up and nullify your big guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, I think even the SEC, I think they they get away with what they do because they the offenses that they play. They're not as prolific. You know what I mean? That It's not to say they don't have the athletes. It's just a different style. And so if you put Alabama or Georgia or some of those schools into the Big 12, you would I think you would start to see over time throughout an entire season, the defenses wear down because they're just not used to it. They're not used to playing 100 plays every single game. Yeah, and I like I don't care who you're playing against. Like that, being on the field that many plays will wear you out. Like it just, it's that simple. And I think that you know, that's kind of one of those things that I think benefits the Big Twelve when they do play like SEC teams and stuff because you know you go from like I don't have time to think. Like I, as soon as I make a tackle, I got to get lined up and like start analyzing what's going on in front of me. But, you know, then you play an SC team and you get that tackle. And then it's like, let's go to the huddle. Let's regroup. Like, let's catch our breath. And then, like, it allows you to play differently and probably with a little bit more energy because you're not so much concerned about getting tired, you know? Because you're like, the game's a little bit slower. So defensively, it's a blessing because you're like, I get to catch my breath after after every play. Because, like, one of the things on defense is like, when you're gassed, you're gassed, but like you, you know the saying, like when when you're tired, the first thing to go is your brain. And it's like if you can't analyze shit and if you can't break down what's going on in front of you, like yeah, you're gonna there's gonna be mental lapses, there's gonna be breakdowns in the coverage. And so for like your to your point, I think that like, you know, we always look at the SEC's physicality and say, like, that's what separates them when they go play other conferences. But I think, like on the flip side, like like they got Division One athletes too, and it's like there's there's benefits of Big Twelve teams playing SEC schools. Like it just is. Yeah, and I know a big mentality of big like the air raid style is is defensively you have to have you have to have five guys that can run because like an Oklahoma. Their one through five receivers are going to be freaks. Yeah. And so you better have five freaks to cover them. 
And what that does, that just puts you, it, it, you know, that just makes you vulnerable to the run game. And so when you got a guy like when you got to keep taking tacklers out and run stoppers out, and then all of a sudden you have a running a, a quarterback that can run like Sam Ellinger. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. So you got you got to take all these guys out to cover receivers, and then you got a bull back there at, at quarterback, and then it's like, wait a second, we just took all these guys out to stop the pass to run with the athletes, and then the quarterback's just going to run it. And it puts you at a dis. I mean, that's what made Tim Tebow and, and Urban Meyer in Florida so special. I mean, no. you had to run, you had to run with Aaron Hernandez. You had to run with Chris Rainey, Jeff Dems, Percy Harvin. Like you had to run with you had to run with all those guys. Hosses. And then when they so yeah, you just take out all those line. You have to. I mean, you have to put athletes on the field, and then you got a two hundred thirty five pound fullback taking the snap and just running, you know, power right. Okay, so here's my question. Like, do you think, and like I said this last year, but I truly believe it. I think Clemson owes a bit of their championship to Oklahoma. To Oklahoma? Because if Oklahoma lays down in that game and they let Alabama just kind of truck over them, how we all thought it was going to happen in like the next three quarters, I think Alabama's guys get some rest. One of the big things that hurt them is Oklahoma kept scoring. So Alabama had to keep playing their their starters. Christian Miller gets hurt, hurts his hamstring. That's their best pass rusher. So he's out the championship game. So obviously Shane, that if hurt you him. can if you can if you can chalk that championship up to Oklahoma, you might as well just tell your boy Reese to thank Notre Dame for <laughs> giving him a free game though for that playoff game. No, but I, I, I say that because like okay, so I mean that's that a true. A, that's a real thing. You get beat up. Thing. But then also like if you look. Like, Oklahoma moved the ball at will. They were just down by, like, 21-24, so it didn't matter. But, like, I think a lot of what they did in the second quarter and second half really exposed Alabama's secondary and showed that they weren't this, like, unstoppable force. Because, I mean, if you looked at – what's that? That's four. If you looked at the last, like, eh, six – quarters that Alabama had played football at that like if you're watching Clemson film Georgia moved the ball at will against them in the SEC championship for almost three quarters and then Oklahoma did it for damn near three quarters and it was mostly through the passing game so you you look at that on film and you're like oh well I've got T Higgins I've got Hunter Renfro I've got Amari Rogers like and I got a gunslinger and I got a, a hall set running back. Like, I know I'm going to be able to move the ball. And then you look at what these teams did to, like, stress Alabama secondary. Then you factor in that they've lost their best pass rusher. You got to feel like, oh, well, we've got some confidence that we can play and, like, score. And I, not to say that they didn't have confidence and they wouldn't have routed Alabama anyway. But, like, if you're, if you're Dabo, you're looking at that saying, like, well, shit, like, there's no reason why we can't go in here and put up these numbers that they ended up putting up. Right. I imagine you had Alabama's defensive backfield saying, all right, you know, you know, we'll figure it out. And then you probably had Clemson's skill guys going, oh, they don't have a chance. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. After what Oklahoma just did. But All right, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, we talked a little Texas. We talked a little. We talked a lot of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. But the um, 
the kind of the darling prediction to finish third place in the league is a very unfamiliar face, Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Now, it used to be Ames, Iowa was the place where dreams went to die. That was your mm-hmm. that was your your weird upset of the season. Always seemed to happen in Ames, Iowa. But with Matt Campbell, all he's done in his three years is transformed a program into being the head of the second tier. Yeah. No, I mean so like they what like, what they're gonna have to deal with is can they can they handle their expectations? Exactly. Like they're not sneaking up on anybody this year. And not to say that I feel like kind of last year was a lot like that too. I don't feel like they were necessarily sneaking up on guys last year, but it's like to your point, they're probably the clear cut third place team in the leagues right now. So it's like to to your point, like how do you manage those? Like how does how does because you you instinctively have the the target on your chest for the most part because like teams are probably not like teams are probably not going to be Oklahoma and Texas the middle of the run teams they're probably not going to but like to get to carve out a good win against an Iowa State team could put people in the running for like a really good bowl and stuff like that so like. They're gonna amp themselves up to come play. Yeah. So last year they lost to Iowa, which we'll talk a little bit about. Um, they lost to Oklahoma twenty seven thirty seven. They lost at TCU seventeen fourteen. That's probably the one. That's probably the one that hurts the most. The TCU one. At TCU, then they rattled off at Oklahoma State, West Virginia, Texas Tech, at Kansas, Baylor. Win 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 win. They lost at Texas twenty four ten. Then they beat Kansas State. They beat Drake. And then they lost in that barn burner of a bowl game against Washington State and Alamo Bowl. Mm-hmm. So great bowl, by the way. Alamo Bowl. I love that game. I really that was yeah, I really do. The Alamo Alamo Bowl is a really good middle tier bowl game. That's what I was gonna say. One of my favorite like non non uh SEC bowl games that like I normally will watch. Yeah, it's a fun venue, the Alamo Dome. Mm-hmm. It's a fun venue. And it's normally um, like right there in between Christmas and New Year's. Yeah. So it's just like nicely placed. Yeah, so they I mean they got they got their their quarterback, Brock Purdy. Mm-hmm. He's coming back. They've got up front, they return everybody. <laughs> they return left guard, left tackle, center, right guard, right tackle, defensive end, nose guard, other defensive end. They return them all. Every single lineman is coming back. Yeah. So when you talk about a foundation of a team, just that right there will help you sleep easy at night. So I'm looking like the past two years, they've gone eight and five, both years. And so, and let me look, if I look at like they're, like you just named off the games that they lost last year, but like probably still lose to Texas, probably still lose to Oklahoma. Like that Iowa game is going to be tough, obviously, because it's a rivalry game. So like you never just automatically count that, but I'd probably say they're a better team than TCU is right now on paper. And like you said, yeah, that was still I would say 17 so. to 14, and that was on the road. So you'd assume that 
you'd get that game because it's at home this year. The thing that worries me is you you mentioned it before, is this whole kind of like, would you rather have a mediocre offense and a stellar defense? Defensively, I mean, it looks like they're going to be fantastic. And that kind of fits Matt Campbell's mold is they're tough, blue-collar kids, mm-hmm. love to play defense and hit you. But they also lose their top rusher and they lose their top receiver. Yeah, because uh, what was that? David like, Montgomery and um, Hakeem Butler. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so I believe both of those guys left early. Yeah. So, and, but the thing is, it's like they're not Oklahoma. Like they don't just have another one of those guys. So it's, it's, are they going to have to like win these games 17 to 10? I mean, or will they be? I mean, I think they're going to have to, but will they be able to? Ah, gotcha. Gotcha. What, um, looking at their schedule, what did you, did you have like them written out anything like a projection as win total wise? Well, I mean, I kind of avoided that because of the, the Big 12 being so swirly. Mm-hmm. It's, you don't know who's going to win. Um, I mean, if I look at if I look at their schedule, I think Northern Iowa went. Mm-hmm. I was a toss yep. up. They never win that game. I think they've lost three or four in a row. But it is at home, which sometimes at, yeah, sometimes will home. matter in, in rivalry games. Yep, um, Louisiana Monroe got to mm-hmm. be a win. At Baylor is probably one of their equivalent teams. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, kind of on the rise, but I think they should win that game. T- I, again, TCU toss up at West Virginia. They got to win mm-hmm. that game. Texas Tech got to win. They got to yeah. win that game. Oklahoma State toss up at Oklahoma. Stretch Texas stretch, but then they got Kansas at Kansas State. I mean, those last two are winnable. I mean, they could be they could be nine and three. They could be legitimately ten and two. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think that's pretty low on the bell curve. But they could also be seven and five. Right. So I had I have them projected as nine and three. I got them losing that game to Iowa, and then obviously the Texas and Oklahoma game. Um, I would t- the thing about Iowa is, I think that's the team they want to be, yeah. and just Iowa does it better. I agree, and I don't. I'll say like we because we haven't covered the Big Ten yet, but I haven't really looked very hard into Iowa yet and what they're returning. I, I was just going off my gut and saying like it's a rivalry game. Like sometimes shit happens, but what I will say is like by looking at their by looking at their their um, schedule, you know how you said that they could. Yeah, even though it's low on the bell curve, they could do ten and two. They could be seven and five. I think the big stretch for them is going to be the month of October because you have TCU at home, you go to West Virginia, then you go to Texas Tech, then you have Oklahoma State at home. All four will be like closely similar teams and talent to Iowa State, but like, how do you manage in that stretch? Because like. You'll have, obviously, like you lost to TCU last year. Then you got to go on the road for two long trips 
and then you get Oklahoma State, who's relatively always a competitive team. So it's like, how do you manage those four games? Because you're probably going to lose your like more than likely you're losing your first two out of your your bye week. So then it's like if you've got bad momentum going into that bye week and you know you've got Texas and Oklahoma back to back like out of it, that's where you see a, a team that could go nine and three spin to a six six team. They literally have the perfect bye weeks because people underestimate like a bye week at the beginning of the year. It could be tough because you're trying to get into a rhythm. But they, I mean, they, I can't think of a better bye week scenario. You got to go through all fall camp. You're going to be banged up. Your guys are going to be going for all summer, all fall camp, two a days. I mean, they're exhausted. When you start the season, you're yeah. exhausted. Yeah. And so you get the Northern Iowa week one, and then you get a bye week. Yeah. Like you, you just went through fall camp, two a days, summer workouts, your first game, and you get yourself a bye week to prep for your biggest rival of the year. Well, and to that point too, we all know how ugly week one is. Like, yeah, right. It's just not a good looking week for teams. And they usually start like, out with the Iowa week one. Yeah. And so like you get a beatable opponent in Northern Iowa, but then you turn around and it's like, you probably don't go camp intensity. But the focus is very similar to camp focus for that, those two weeks because it's like you go all camp at looking at film of yourself through practice or last year, and it's so much of like working on things like I don't care how hard you practice in in summer camp, like you don't know what your opponent's going to show. So it's like it's it's tough to get a realistic look basically is what right. I'm saying. And so that's tough. And then, then you're watching old film. Now you have one game of look and you have You got two games. Like, two scout games cuz cuz I was going to have to is going to have played two games. But I mean like you have like for them they have one game of their like self yeah, a reflection true. and then you have two games of Iowa versus the and like you would assume playing Northern Iowa you probably don't show your whole playbook. You don't have to against them. So you're already, I would say, like, Iowa's probably going to be 2-0 and going into that game. But, like, you can't. Yeah, it, Iowa like, plays gonna Miami, Ohio, more. and Rutgers. So Rutgers, they're yes. But, like, they're still going to have to show more than Iowa State is. Yeah, so, so. It, it, but you look at, you look at after Iowa, they get ULM, Louisiana Monroe. So you get kind of like a, hopefully it's not a hangover. But hopefully, you know, like a manageable game, even if you have a hangover, you can still pull it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you got then you got your games that you got to win. You got the meat of your schedule at Baylor, TCU, at West Virginia, at Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, all manageable for you. That's your whole, you know, six weeks. And then you get another bye week before November. Yeah. Take another break. Reset if you have to. Get healthy for a week, and then you got to go at Oklahoma, Texas, and then you got two winnable games to finish. I mean, they got a good schedule. They really do. I, I think it's going to shake out well for them. Um, I had them going. What'd you say? I was going to say I had them going nine and three, uh, just because I think the transition they've made, like 
I just think that like Baylor is up and rising. I think that West Virginia probably takes a slight step back just with the new coaching and stuff like that. And it's just one of those things where it's like it's almost like the the Milwaukee Bucks this year. Like everybody around you is making a lot of moves in free agency and it's like we just gotta hold steady and remember that we won sixty games last year and we have the MVP. So like we just run it back with what we got and tweak what we made mistakes on last year. Iowa State, yeah, they're losing some, but it's like, you know, their core or, or their 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 program mentality and core is there. Like they've done the eight and five two years in a row. So it's like we just got to hold steady and everybody around us is losing more. And it's like we've already set the standard that like we're winning eight games. So it's like now we're at the point now where it's like, we got a, a favorable schedule, like you mentioned. It's like, why can't we rattle off another win or two? It'll be very interesting to see. Very interesting to see. So, also so very interesting to see what Matt Campbell does. I'm, I yeah. heard his, you know, Big Twelve Media Day is going on right now. Uh, Matt Campbell was asked if he'd be interested in going to the NFL, and he said, "Growing up, I just wanted to be a high school coach like my dad." I didn't even think about being a college coach, let alone being an NFL coach. So it'll be interesting. All right. So we went through the top three there. Um, Kevin, looking at this kind of jumble between four and let's say like eight, because we pretty much solidified Texas Tech and Kansas as the bottom half or the bottom two. Is there a team that stands out to you in the middle section that like you're really interested in looking into? Like, I won't necessarily say that I make a lot of noise because, like we said, the top's pretty much set in stone. But is there any team in the middle that you're kind of focusing on? Um, I wonder if Mike Gundy's ever going to pull through. That's what worries me about Oklahoma State. I wonder what Matt Rule's going to do at Baylor. Mm-hmm. If they're going to keep progressing, if they're going to this year keep, two for him. I think it's year three. They got the kid Charlie right, Brewer, right. the quarterback, coming back. He's he's real tough, but they just couldn't protect him last year. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, who knows what West Virginia is going to get? But the one that interests me is TCU because I read an interesting uh, stat here. It's um I read it from Athlon Sports. It said uh, Gary Patterson teams followed four previous campaigns of seven or six or worse with records of 10 and two, 11 and one and 11 and three. So they always bounce back hard. Even a respectable eight and five year in 2007 was followed by an 11 and two mark. Jesus. And so last year they were, last year they were, um, they were seven and six. So the, the trend in history is going to say that they're going to have a big year. Right. That would be probably my my big takeaway is is, is TCU is going to bounce back. Gotcha. I'm I'm really interested in West Virginia. Um, obviously, because I have a little bit of like I like to see what Neil Brown does. Um, yeah, he was a coordinator at Kentucky, um, went to Troy, did well at Troy, um, and so now going moving to a bigger program. I think that you mentioned like good off weeks. I think that they have really good off weeks because um, both of their off weeks are in the middle of the season. Um, But it goes, they start with James Madison at Missouri, 
North Carolina State, and then Kansas. Then they have a bye week. So there's definitely two winnable games on that schedule. And then you got two that will probably more than likely be toss-ups, right? Right. If you split those games, you go, you're coming out of the first quarter of your season or first third of your season, three and one. Now, the reason why I say they got good off weeks is because they've got off weeks basically surrounding the toughest part of their schedule. So they go by week, then they go Texas, Iowa State, both at home, then they go to Oklahoma, then they go by week. So in those five spans, yeah, they play the three toughest teams, but they have two bye weeks surrounding it. So to me, what that says is we should be well prepared going into the Texas game, right? And it's at home. So that's even better for us. And for Texas, that is the week before the Red River shootout. So it's like you kind of hope that they're looking forward to that and overlooking you. So you get that. Then you get you get Oklahoma the week after the Red River shootout. So it's like hopefully they're coming off of like the high of a win or like they're down because they lost or something like that. But like it's kind of you get you get them on the, the ends up like you get them before and after that game, but you've got a week to prepare going into the Texas game and then after the Oklahoma game you have a bye week to recover. So you're playing your three hardest games. You get a bye week to recover, get some health back into you, and then you go you go to the jumbled portion of what we talked about in the schedule. You go Baylor, Texas Tech, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, TCU. So it's like it just kind of shapes out well for them if like if they can get the beginning of their season started well. It's like, okay, like worst-case scenario, we go um, – Oh, for three in the middle of our schedule, like most people project, we still get a bye week to recoup for the last five games that are all winnable games, and we get a week to refocus going into that. It'll be very interesting to tell to see if they switch up their ways at all. Like over those bye weeks, like if they do something differently? Well, not only that, just like their style of play. Oh, from from uh, Neil Brown from coming from uh, why can't I think of his name? Yeah, Dana Holbrook. Holgerson. Why did I say Holbrook? I got that name stuck in my head. Nevertheless, what? Um, so I'm assuming I have Texas losing one game during the season, and I got Oklahoma losing one game during the season. I got. Oklahoma losing to Texas in the Red River shootout, and I got Texas losing to LSU. Well, here's the deal is what's interesting is that in the Big 12, it, you don't have to win your division. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just because first place is so far ahead of you, you can still win the Big 12 championship game. Right. You know what I mean? Like Texas last year was 9-4. and four. Yeah, they were nine. And, they, well, they were nine and three going into, the, and they made it to the Big Twelve Championship game. So, I mean, I think they're going to beat Louisiana Tech. I think they'll beat LSU. Fair. 
But I wouldn't be surprised if they lost. They'll beat Rice. They'll beat Oklahoma State. They'll beat West Virginia. Oklahoma's a toss-up. Kansas at TCU. I think that I think they have. I had them losing two game stops. Okay, that's fair. And you had them winning the championship game. Yeah. So I had, I have it same as last year. I have Texas winning during the season, and then Oklahoma winning the uh, the Big Twelve championship game. So interesting. So let's move on to go through. Um, let's go through your top five games of the year. Yeah. So I've got LSU Texas. Like that is that's the number one. That is the biggest game for that conference, or I would say the second biggest game for that conference. Um, and it's big for two reasons. LSU's got to. They've got to beat a a really good team like. They, you know, they they lose to Alabama every year. They they toss back and forth between the teams that they beat out west uh, in the west, excuse me, side of the conference. Like they gotta win a big game, and this is one for them. But on the flip side, like who is Texas gonna be? Like, are they gonna take? Like we talked about, are they gonna take that step? Are they gonna be the Texas we saw that showed up against Georgia, or was that just a We've got something to prove, and Georgia's not in the playoffs, so we're coming in with more intensity than the other team. Like they have to show that. Um, and the, like, if you're really back, like Sam uh, Ellinger said, like Texas back, if like that's really truly what you are, you got to win this game. So I think that that game's super important. Um, or at least at least be competitive in it. Because yeah. I think no, I I don't think anybody would doubt that LSU is a. Um, you know what I mean? Like if you lose that game 31-28, like nobody's gonna nobody's gonna question you. Yeah. But it's gotta like you know, like you said, it's gotta be competitive. You gotta be close. Like you can't you can't get blown out in that game and it can't be like drastically one sided. Um I think number two, I've got uh Iowa, Iowa State. Um for everything we mentioned, like that game is usually a toss up. It's hard to predict who's gonna win that. I think that it's going to go a long way. Like we mentioned, like Iowa's going to be 2-0 and going into that game. If they come out of that game 3-0, and that's a huge boost for the beginning of their season. Iowa State, to firmly plant themselves as number three in this conference, they got to win that game. So right. I've got that one. Um, obviously, I got the Red River shootout um, for every reason that we've talked about. Like, it's the two best teams in the conference. Like, that's the conference's biggest game. Like, what's going to happen? Um, the next one I got is Texas and Iowa State um, because because of scheduling and because of me projecting Iowa State to be that third team in the division. Like, they're not just going to lay down and say, like, hey, I'm going to let Oklahoma and Texas run away with this. Like, they're going to try to show up and, and win a game. So it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. And then the finals one, I've got um, – we got Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. I feel like that's – it's been teetering towards Oklahoma more often than not for, or recently. Battle of Bedlam. But I think they're like – you can never – you can never overlook that game. And I think that like 
Oklahoma State is, like you said, like they're going to be that team. It's like, are they going to get over the hurdle? Are they going to do something different than like what they normally do, which is like eight and four, nine and three kind of team? And I think probably not, but they'll beat somebody and ruin their season. Right. Which is like, if you, and if you're Oklahoma, like that game plastered it, you know, the, the end of your schedule. And it's just like, they may be in that game at, you know, seven and five and, you know, probably not looking at a great game or a great bowl game or anything. and just laying there waiting for you to say like, or waiting for you to show up so that they can like put a stamp on their season. So that was my fifth and probably like last big game um, of the conference. What'd you have? I had number five, Iowa, Iowa state. Cause that's one of my favorite rivalry games. The Cyhawk trophy <laughs> Two people that, a lot of people don't know about it, but they hate each other so much. Um, it, football is a big deal in Iowa. Uh, there's not much else to do. So that's a great game. 42 minutes separates the two schools, by the way. Yeah, man. Like it's, it's a, it's very underrated. They just have never had the national prominence, but very, 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 very two proud communities. Proud of their football. I would say that that is like, I would put a lot of what happens in the Kentucky Louisville rivalry would look a lot like theirs. Like if you live, like, yeah. If you live in Nebraska, if you live in Minnesota, like if you live in South Dakota, all those states that kind of touch it, you understand how much they hate each other. But like, if you don't live kind of close to that area, you really just don't see it a lot. But I agree with right. what you said, like. There's like I used to work with somebody that graduated from Iowa State or Iowa State, and it's just like there is a hatred there. Yeah, it's it's always fun at the beginning of the year to watch. Um, number four, I got Texas at Iowa State, and then I got number three, Iowa State at Oklahoma. Kind of like a round robin. Those are the top three teams in the league. Yeah. So you know those kind of those are kind of going to be the heavy hitters. Number two, I got LSU at Texas. I mean, this is this, you could put this game at number two nationally, yeah, as as the most important game. And then uh, number one, obviously, I've got Oklahoma and Texas. I don't know very many years where that won't be the number one game in the Big Twelve, but uh, Oklahoma at Texas or versus Texas. I always say at Texas because it's in Dallas, but yeah. I, I don't really think they're that far apart from each other. I do you ever like just look like at I, the map or something and like. This is so off topic, but you ever like look at the map and see a place and be like, in my mind, that's not where I pictured it to be. Um, I mean, yeah, sometimes I, you know, I looked at the map today because I read Brett McMurphy was was tweeting out today about all these stats about all these schools in Texas never have to leave the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. It's like Texas plays nine games in the state of Texas here. It's like, well, shit. If you took an outline of Texas. And like drew and it on the put, map, like everybody drew else. that over. If you drew that over, like Tuscaloosa, Alabama, shit, Alabama wouldn't be leaving the. They, they'd have nine games in Texas too, right? Like, <laughs> like it ain't that big of a deal. Like they still got to travel six hours. It's like wild to me though, because like if you if I said like like I envisioned Denver, and I'm like, oh, Denver mountains, cold. If you just ask me, like which state was colder and more north northernly located 
I would say Denver over Nebraska every time. That is simply not true. Like Nebraska is clearly like further north than, than Denver, and it's just like yeah, freezing. Yeah, and then also like, like it, it's, you get that wind, man, over the plains. Oh. I also always put Iowa on the other side of Nebraska, like on the side closer to Wyoming, oh, really? than like on the side closer to Illinois, which is like that's why I brought it up because I was just looking at the map and it's like. God, it's like right there. Like, that's wild to me. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I think it was just a product of the house I grew up in, but um, we just always had maps. I don't know why, but like, I don't know. We, I mean, we always on road trips, we're all driving somewhere. So we always had like, it was like pre cell phone internet days. Mm-hmm. So like you had, you had a road atlas. And like that was part of the entertainment. You just looked at maps. That's like we had an atlas. Like that's why I'm good with directions. But like, just like I don't know in my head. Like I just always envisioned Denver being so much further north than it actually is. Like in my head. That's why. Yeah. It really is. It, but here's the deal. Here's the deal with uh, weather and climate. This being a science teacher is. When you go up, it's general rule of thumb is like every thousand feet is is three degrees mm-hmm. less. So like Colorado, yes, is farther south. It's got but the elevation. It's also it's also much higher up. Gotcha. That's nuts. Every thousand feet is three degrees. That's just a rule. Ah, of I thumb. gotcha. That's just like a that's just like a general like. If you're taking a guess, like use that to guesstimate. Yeah, like, yeah, that's fair. It's, it's not very scientific, <laughs> but like, being like going to the Air Force Academy, you're seven thousand two hundred fifty-eight feet above sea level, and like Colorado Springs was like six thousand feet. So you might be like, oh wow, it's you know forty-five degrees here. Well, it might be in the fifties, like twenty minutes uh, away. Because you're just going so far gotcha. downhill. Gotcha. That makes sense. Um, my bad. I got a sidetrack. That's my fault. Um, who'd you have for your your offensive good. player of the year? You know, I put I put Sam Ellinger. Uh, because I mean, he just I think he could have been the offensive player of the year last year if it wasn't for Kyler mm-hmm. Murray. But if he builds upon. What he did last year with 3,296 passing yards, 25 touchdowns, five interceptions, has big moments in the big games like he did against Georgia. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, the other kid that might get it is the kid from Oklahoma State. If they do better, maybe they'll mm-hmm. give it to him. But kid had 86 catches for f- almost 1,500 yards and 12 touchdowns last year. Like, that's pretty damn good. I know that's a dime a dozen in the Big 12, but if for some reason he had one of those fluke Michael Crabtree years where it like it jumped to like 1900 mm. yards, you know, he could be he could be a, a That's a uh, that's Wallace, right? Gotcha. Wallace, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. I I I have uh Ellinger too as my player of the year. I just think that He's got that 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 swag, that chip on his shoulder coming into the season. He's a like he's a year older now. I think that 
a lot of the silly mistakes we've seen in years past, he'll clean up a little bit. And I just think he truly has something to go for now. But if I had to pick somebody outside of them, uh, I would probably go with Charlie Brewer. Like, really? I mean, he's a dark horse. Like, you know, he's going to sling the ball. Um, like, if he could stay healthy, like, you know, you, like, you know, he's capable of, of doing numbers. So it's just like, can he stay healthy? And like, I mean, if Baylor goes from what, a five, six win team to nine or 10, like, yeah, why not? Yeah. I mean, fair enough. Yeah. They were what they went from one win in 2017 to what, six or seven last year. So it's like, I mean, he may like, they may take that next step. Yeah, he's tough as nails. So he survived last year. What uh who'd you have for your defense player of the year? I think the defensive player of the year is always so hard to pick. <laughs> but I'm going I, I'm going with the uh the kid uh from Iowa State, the defensive end, uh Jaquan Bailey. Okay. He's gonna be a senior last year at um eight sacks, forty six tackles. 14 and a half tackles for loss, forced fumble, fumble recovery. I don't hate that. Um, yeah, I mean, like it's just a throwing a dart at a yeah. at the board. I will say I I 1,000% was just kind of like it was a toss-up who I was going to go with uh, on my player of the year. Uh, I just – like defense is so hard to tell. Like you can have a guy come out of nowhere, uh, but like – I went with uh, Stearns, Caden Stearns from Texas. Um, he seems to be the like preliminary favorite right now for the position, but also like um, last year he had sixty-two total tackles um, and four picks. So it's like he's he's solid in in the in the defense game, but also can like lock up four interceptions. Is pretty damn good plus uh, four passes defense. So it's like if he puts up very similar statistics, which I'm going to assume that teams are going to be down to Texas a little bit more this year than they were last year. So they'll have to throw it a little bit more. So I think he could elevate those interceptions to six or seven, and that put him right there in the running for uh, defense player of the year. Well, how about the kid from um, Oklahoma coming back? Kenneth Murray, the linebacker, had 155 tackles yeah, last year. You know, that's quite a bit if you if you keep a count there. Uh, <laughs> that's unbelievable. Like, it that's another thing too of like their offense last year was so dynamic. Like if your offense even takes like a small step back this year, your defense is probably off the field a little bit more. Like those five play scoring drives turn into nine play scoring drives and your defense gets a little bit of a break. So he's not putting up as heavy as statistics. Yeah. And you're on the field yeah. all the time. So, all right. A couple questions for you. Uh, you know, we talked about new quarterbacks, um, but big 12 got a lot of new coaches. Forty percent of the schools got new coaches. We got Les Miles at Kansas, uh, Chris Kleiman at Kansas State, Matt Wells, Texas Tech, Neil Brown, West Virginia. Which one do you think is going to be the most successful next year, 
or in general? Uh, just in general. I would probably say that I think that if we're measuring success by wins and losses, I think Les Miles will come out being the most successful coach out of the bunch. But I don't think his ultimate success will come at Kansas. Like, I think he will. I think he'll transition to another job before a lot of the other new guys in the uh, in the conference. I think that just looking at next year, I'd probably say Neil Brown, just because he was very successful in the way that he coached at Troy with what some would argue lesser talent. Um, so I do think that he'll pro- he has the the shortest mountain to climb out of all these new coaches. Mm. I don't think Les Miles. I think this is going to be Les Miles' last drive. Really? He, yeah. I don't. I, I don't know why, but uh, I think, I think uh, Chris Kleiman at Kansas State is going to do. I think this so is well. such a tough job. I think though. he's gonna, like you have such big shoes to Kansas feel. State? Like being, I don't think the shoes are going to be that big. I don't like. It's like Joe Pot. Penn State, like players respected him. I mean, like they, like you know what I mean, like. But it was like, it's not like he added that much to it. You know I what mean, I mean? I, I get it, but like Bill Snyder's been there for years, like literal years. Like he's been. Yeah, but here's what I think is I think, I think, he is obviously he's mm-hmm. the face of that program, but I think the new guy. uh Chris Kleiman, I think he's going to come in and just leverage all the things that those kids have been yearning for. Like Bill Snyder had a reputation of it just being like no music at practice. Every like you made sure that like what you were wearing at practice was perfect in line every single time. Everything was clean in the locker room. What he said went, but from what I've read, the players are all kind of latching on to the new guy and they're kind of like just they're just enjoying the new blood and like having a conversation like getting to know their coach and all that stuff so i and kansas state i mean i yeah. they've been respectable and he's got such a good track record at north dakota state well, that's what that I was gonna I, say. I don't know. maybe it's like, just he just maybe he just leveraged a, what like you know he just didn't mm-hmm. crash the ferrari when he was at north dakota state maybe that's the case I mean, he but, was there before that too, because you know, know he was he was an assistant coach for a while there. Um, so I mean, like to an extent, like you have to give him some of the credit for what was going on, even though like he wasn't the head coach at the time. But like those last four years, like he was putting up numbers; they were winning games. So like, there's that. But um, you know, I do think that a championship at any level is hard to win. But as consistent and as dominant as North Dakota State is, like, like you said, for it's like a lot of that has to transfer over, like in what, like it just does. Like, and the winning is, like you said, it's a habit. So it's like it doesn't matter if I was just doing it in North Dakota State. Like the practices that I was preaching, the things that I was implementing, like those are habitual. So. Like it's just a, it's kind of like a plug and play thing, and you'd hope that 
with better players like that would that would help pan out for you. I just think that like if it doesn't go well early, how much of a leash are they going to give him when they've been used to like this consistently good to I won't say really good, but just consistently there all the time. Like there has to be something to be said about consistency and knowing like, hey, we're gonna win seven, eight games a year every single year. Yeah, I th- I th- I think they'll give him plenty of time. But nonetheless, I did learn that Kansas is the sunflower state. Really? Yeah. They got two new coaches and I learned that the they're the sunflower state. <sighs> Good old Manhattan, California, or Manhattan, Kansas, the, uh, the little city apple. that never sleeps. The little apple. Um, before we go, one last thing, really quick. Who's got the best uniforms in the Big 12? Baylor, hands down, no question. Easy. Really? Easy. Are you kidding me? Baylor's, Baylor's uniforms are so cold. They definitely have the best options. Man, I love Iowa State's color combos. I like the color combo, but see, like oh, in the your white helmets of, in, in, in the maroon in the Vegas, like that shiny gold. You're kind of jaded though in this conversation because your high school basically mimicked. Yeah, my Baylor. middle school is green and gold too. So, like, but like, so you've been around that all your life. I've never worn anything besides black, red, or blue ever in my life. So, like, that green and gold is just so solid. Like, it's so clean. Yeah, especially the chrome gold helmets. Oklahoma State's, man, they got the chrome orange helmets. They've got, like, I love the orange and black. I really do. The little, like, I like the, Oklahoma State's. They're really nice. I think the best traditional one, I think I'd have to go with, gosh, it's such, like, I, I think Texas's uniforms probably over Oklahoma. The burnt orange is clean. I like Oklahoma's is always just so perfect. I like I will they got a lot of good combos. Cause I just seen I just looked at um like West Virginia, like their color combo's solid. TCU's color combo. I was TCU just gonna say is, TCU's got the best in my opinion, TCU's the best. Listen, I'll say that this. purple. Purple is very underrated as a really good color for a team. Like purple, very underrated. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you're if you're asking me like which ones, and it's it's slightly because of the number of options, but like I just there's not a bad Baylor uniform combination to me. It like just in the recent history of what they've been wearing. I mean, like they like I'm looking at pictures now. They can go like. White on green on white. They could go the black on white with the gold nice. chrome. They've got the the throwback, like the throwback forest green Baylor jerseys are dope. Like they got all white. They got the matte the matte green looks good. Like they they got a lot of combinations. That <laughs> they got a lot of combinations. Um, yeah, man, they're nice. Check out that check out that link I sent you in the chat. Damn, they got a lot of good combinations. Let's see. All right. I don't uh TCD. I think you know who's got some 
Ooh. Oh, that's a, uh, yeah, from back home. Yeah. I'm telling you, dog. That's like, that white and purple. It's so underrated. Um, you know who's sleepy? Like one of the like dope uniform sets uh, in the Big 12, though? Kansas. Really? Even with the Adidas? I, I can't get over the Adidas. They're one of my favorite Adidas school colors. Like they got, because they can go all white with the white helmet. They can go with the red helmet with the big. They can go the chrome silver too. They got the chrome silver. They got the powder blues. Yeah, like they got some uniforms now. I, I, I don't know if all of them look good, but like they got options. The powder blues are fire, though. Oh man, their powder blues are so dope. I don't know why they have black uniforms though. That seems stupid, but. Who am I? I guess you gotta try to get recruits somehow. Gotta get them, man. Kansas is a tough place to go, man. It's People talk t- about not being able to recruit Nebraska. Like at least you're Nebraska. You know what I mean? Yeah. You walk in the stadium, whatever. But like, like you can, you can try tough. to win off of like your tradition. Kansas is like, whoo. You just gotta hope like dudes like watching good basketball and just lean on that. Right. All right, man, that's a wrap for the Big 12 breakdown. Um, I got Texas. You got Oklahoma? Yeah. We got a – All right, well. One of these days when I can come to my house two days consecutively and do stuff, I'm going to, like, jot all these down, what we have, just so we can keep a running tab of it. I'll just keep my notes. Oh, yeah, I got those too. Just keep your notes, so – all right, man. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, always, please, we appreciate it. Go rate, review, and subscribe on um, iTunes, Spotify, all that stuff. Uh, leave comments. Tell your friends. The whole shebang. Tell a friend. That's 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 yeah, what we operate on. Do your do your deed. Listen, would really appreciate it. God put you on this earth to do two things: spread His word. And also spread the word of Peace of Mind podcast. Yeah, I read it. And ultimately, whether you do or not, we'll still be here. So yeah. we're here for the long run. It's worse. I talked. We talked about this on vacation, but like because and you guys are very similar to us too. That uh, you all have July um, anniversaries. So yep. like, if you take a trip in July. Plus grouped with July 4th and like that extended holiday, especially like the last two years because it's fallen on Wednesday and a Thursday. So you get to basically loop in the days after it. Like for us, like today is my first day back to work since the third. It's like, hell, it's the middle of the month now. Like I got two weeks and it's August. So it's, it like it really helps. July is the, always the rough month of like getting through because once August is here, it's, you know, there's classic football games on every day. Like, you get a lot of the TV breakdowns are all college football. So, it's it's easy to get through August. Plus, they move the schedule up a, a week. So, it's not that bad. But July is a tough one. But, like, man, when you take, like, a vacation on top of, like, July 4th and stuff like that, it really makes for this month to go by a lot faster. Yeah. And it needs to go by fast. It, it definitely needs to go by fast because – Lord knows we need college football. So, all right, folks. 
Appreciate you. Big shout out to Justice, our producer. Thanks for listening. AJ, you have a good night, man. Yes, sir. See you.